Coming up, we have the Alternate Living Expo. Let's check out some of the vendors. Be a fan of VidGul on Facebook. Go to facebook.com forward slash VidGul. Before we start, we want to make note that this program does not express the views and opinions of VidGul, its parent company, Genthany Enterprises, Inc., and its employees, affiliates, licensors, and agents. So, if you have a problem, don't blame it on me! You are watching VidGul in high definition. It looks like, uh... It looks like Congo finally got a nice new kitchen set. I guess we're doing a, a cooking show now. Um... This is interesting. Look at this refrigerator. Look at this. This is awesome. This, you know, we're gonna be the next Martha Stewart show. This is this is gonna be interesting. And now all we need now is um, Taft Lewis start cooking, and you know Fred start making his famous soups. Ladies and gentlemen, sadly this is not a real set. This is the Steampunk Savage Kitchen. Made out of steampunk antiques, uh, refrigerator, the sink, but this is not just an ordinary, ordinary kitchen. With this kitchen comes the Alternate Living Expo. So let's go out and see what's going on today here at the Alternate Living Expo in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is the con-goer, out and about. Alright, I am here right now with Jack from usbtypewriter.com. Am I correct? Yep. usbtypewriter.com. I'm assuming that this typewriter became a computer keyboard, is that right? Yes, every USB typewriter is a fully functional USB keyboard and it will work for any PC, Mac or iPad. Right here it's connected to a PC, and right there it's connected to an iPad by USB into a USB port so you can go right underneath the iPad. What, what made you start this? Um, well, I saw a lot of people who were taking their typewriters and sawing the keys off to make jewelry or to make decorative computer keyboards, and I just thought that was a real shame that all these beautiful, functional, pieces of equipment that have been around for a hundred years were getting thrown in the dumpster just because their keys look prettier than they did. And so I thought it's a shame to put these up in your mantle or to throw them in the dumpster just because you don't have a use for them and I wanted to basically rescue them and, and find a good use for them and make people see them as relevant, beautiful, functional works of art that they could use in their daily life. Because I can, I can say this, that's portable, that's a portable typewriter keyboard, am I correct with that? Yeah, it's sort of a typewriter laptop, you can think of it. Goodbye Bluetooth keyboard for my iPad. The typewriter is moving in. I know you, you have a do-it-yourself kit. What's the necessary steps to do that? Um, well, I can't sum up all the steps. That's fine. But I have an instructable about it, uh, or you can go to usbtypewriter.com and learn about how to make your own typewriter, uh, USB typewriter. And it's not that difficult. It takes about five or six hours. Um, it's not long. And it's just a lot of soldering and elbow grease. Yeah, I see how you have a connection here the, to make it into USB. So basically, each time you press a key on here, it, it 
brings it right to the USB and then acts like a keyboard driver in a yeah, way, right? I can show you. Uh, I can show you what goes on underneath here. It's really simple. There's just a single circuit board that fits underneath all of the keys, and when you type, the keys hit that circuit board and and uh, make contact with one of the metal tabs that's sticking out of it, and that completes the circuit and sends the information over to the computer. That's that's amazing. I I, I never thought of having a a typewriter as a computer keyboard. Um, so if I want to get one, I go right over to usbtypewriter.com. There's a whole bunch of different choices. Which, which ones do you have? Uh, well, I have... Um, this one is from the 1920s. It's an Underwood. This one is from the 1970s. It's a Sears. And I have any kind of make or model from the 1910s on. I am here with... Oh, my name's Jake. Jake Wright. Hello. I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm in World War II. Uh, yeah, well, you're sort of in World War II through Vietnam, so sort of an, you're in sort of an amalgamation of some really interesting periods in American history. I'm looking at these lamps. They look like bullets. Uh, they, they are. They're all, uh, they're all bullets and bombs. They're just recycled artillery. Um, most of them are practice shells because any live ammunition has to be destroyed. Um, they take it to New Mexico and blow it up. So I'm sure that's a government job that pays $300,000 a year, and it's like the best job in the country. But, um, so, uh, actually a couple of them, in fact, today I think the only piece that was live was this, which is a recoilless rifle round. Um, they developed those in World War II, but this one is dated 54, so I guess it was used in Korea. Um, and I think they used those as tank busters. It's a little, sometimes it's hard to look up the history because it's, uh, it's kind of a wonky field, so there's like a very small number of people who know everything and there's a lot of people who know virtually nothing, but seem to have no problem just telling people <laughs> whatever they think. Um, and, oh, and then these are, you know, there's cluster bombs, like these guys right here. Oh, but go ahead, you were going to say something. Sorry. No, 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 that, that's fine. What, what's this? What's this guy right here? Oh, that's the tail fin section of a 100-pound bomb from the Korean War. Um, that's, uh, I actually got the whole bomb and sliced it in half and made the lamp that way. Um, and then the cap of the bomb is over there. It's kind of like uh, like Inuits and the whales, where if, like they're they're very valuable and rare, so you got to use every part. May I ask this question? Yes. How did you get all this stuff? Uh, well, I get it from different surplus dealers. I think my favorite, which if, is it okay if I plug them a bit? Uh, Omaha's.com. They're a uh, surplus dealer in Texas. They're really great. Good. Like they they supply to a lot of uh, theater companies and movie studios, that kind of thing. Um, and then I've got uh, some surplus dealers who are smaller who are really more like arms collectors who just have more stuff than they know what to do with and sell me things. Like the cluster bomblets are really hard to find in the United States. So um, I think mostly because we dropped a lot of them in Vietnam. They're kind of easier to get there. But um, the, there's one guy I know of who just has crates and crates of them. So I have to keep him a secret because I don't want anyone buying my bombs. <laughs> well, I mean, not until I'm finished with them and then they can buy them from me. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But me, uh, when did you start all this? Only about nine months ago. Um, I made the first one actually like this. I bought uh, just the tail section on eBay. I'm not even sure why I did it. I was, I was, uh, I quit my old job. I was freelancing graphic design from home, and I just, uh, I think I was going to use it as an umbrella stand, and um, and then I forgot I bought it, and I got this huge rusty bomb that just arrived on my door, <laughs> like just and got you, left and on you, my and doorstep. You, and, and you went, I need a lamp. Yeah, well, I. I 
I looked at it and the and I said, all right, this is not going to be a good umbrella stand. And then I thought, oh, you know, it'd be a great lamp though. So I put it together, and then a friend of mine from ABC Home, which is a furniture store in New York City, told me to try making more of them. And it's been a, and then I, instead of buying an iPad, I decided to use the money and buy a few more uh, a few more basic pieces. And it's sort of been a barely self-sustaining enterprise since then. Because this is um, this is Nino. I see your, your table here. Oh yeah. That's, uh, this is actually the original. I, uh, I meant to have uh, another pair here, but um, I had some difficulty getting my wood delivered. So, que sera, sera. But it's a, it's a table made from a World War II practice round. It's a, um, the practice round has oak as the base, which makes it really, uh, really easy to bolt the table legs onto it. And, um, and uh, I, just, I sort of, I weld the frame, you know, weld the table legs, bolt it together, and then polish it. While I was working on it in the shop, someone hung a sign in it that said, Caution, not a stool, which um, was kind of, I thought that, that was kind of cute. Uh, it, was, it was a little less cute about the 30th time someone said that to me, but... Um. <laughs> now, would you consider yourself, because I think this has been the theme of the event so far, is are you a green person by, by basically recycling all of this old junk and, and putting them back together? I mean, I suppose it's a little green. I don't, I don't think of it that way, though. It's kind of... Well, it's, it's what everyone else is saying. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think of it that way because... I mean, part of it is because if I wasn't using this stuff, probably someone else would be using it. Like, this, like I don't think any of this was destined for a dumpster. You know, it might have been destined for a survivalist camp or, or you know, somebody's, uh, like, some hunter's bookshelf or something. But I just really like... I just like repurposing the materials and sort of finding uh, finding an alternative use for it. And, it. and it's not even a political statement, it's just kind of fun. Yeah. There's really great, uh, there's really great uh, forms of military design because it's built for such efficiency. Now, final question. Where can people buy this stuff? Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm, my business is called Stockpile Designs, which you can remember by the big sign which isn't hanging behind me. Um, yep, ran out of time there. But um, if you go to stockpiledesigns.com, that redirects you to my Etsy page because I have been too busy to put up a proper website. But eventually, stockpiledesigns.com will be the proper website where you can buy things. In the meantime, I'm fine sharing you know, the 2% of my sales with Etsy. Okay, you saw our opening shot, uh, the Steampunk Savage Kitchen, and I'm here with Michael. Yeah. Uh, you designed all this? Yeah, I'm the owner of the uh, salvage company, Capital Salvage, and I work with Prestige Woodworking, a master craftsman, cabinet maker, and we worked together over the last four and a half months going through my warehouse and picking out some of the uh, oak moldings, oak paneling, at oak wainscot to design the kitchen for the home show. Countertops are made of salvaged chestnut, and the island top is salvaged from an old bowling alley in a butcher block fashion. And what we wanted to show people was the potential that could be created from salvage and repurposed items, and uh, we've created this custom kitchen. What made you decide to do this? Well. Um, you know, my business uh, is uh, certainly tied directly into the repurposed and green movement in terms of saving 
Victorian or even any architectural elements, whether they be colonial, Victorian, or industrial elements. And I was working with Brian at Prestige Woodworking for the past four years, a lot of smaller projects, custom harvest tables, uh, smaller cabinetry, outdoor garden arbors. And we were approached by the show promoter here at the um, Back to the Future Home Show uh, last summer to create this kitchen as a showpiece and focal point for the show. Again, to show people that you could use salvaged items and use them in a functioning, high-quality 21st century home with the interior high-grade cabinets on the inside. The drawers all have the high-end high uh, roller ball bearing uh, slides. Um, and Brian and I have in the past, and we continue to be willing to work with customers in design what it is that they like for their taste, design styles, and uh, functioning purposes and using the architectural salvage. We created a, um, a photo book or a photo diary on capitalsteampunking.com that takes the process from picking the salvage out in the beginning from my warehouse and each successive chapter showed another step in the process of Brian creating this cabinet work in this entire kitchen over the last uh, four and a half months. So it took you four and a half months to build this entire, this entire kitchen that we're seeing? Correct. Yep, yep. We, uh, you know, again, it was uh, a lot of discussions about design, what we wanted to look like, what type of salvage did we have enough of, so we had um, some common theme with the, uh, with the oak and the quartered oak uh, panels. Um, we had an island already that he had made, and the question was finding a countertop for the island, and the same for the countertops here. And so as the process started to unfold, and as he started to create the cabinets, we ended up settling on what we have in front of us today. Again, the salvaged chestnut here, the maple uh, flooring from a bowling alley. We found the soapstone sink on uh, Craigslist, and the flooring is actually reclaimed flooring from a 19th century home. What are, uh, the refrigerator, I'm assuming that you, the refrigerator on the stove, you got that from uh, yep, Savage? There's, yeah, there's another exhibitor here, uh, David Erickson from Erickson Stoves, who uh, we worked with from the beginning. He had uh, essentially picked out the appliances, let Brian know what the dimensions were, and when Brian was designing the kitchen, he designed the, the sizes or the dimensions around it. So. When we finally met David for the first time on Friday, he brought the, the appliances in and they sit in place. What we have been telling customers all weekend that if that refrigerator or if this stove doesn't fit into their de decor or desires, not only can this kitchen be retrofitted to fit the appliances of their choice, but any project. So, um, you know, we were talking pretty extensively with a couple of uh, possible um, customers this morning who are in the process of redesigning their kitchen. It's smaller than this footprint here, but you know, the potential exists of really creating what it is that they want. If they want um, stained cabinets, if they want painted cabinets, if they want granite countertops, we've had people use uh, chalkboard sleeves for countertops, you know, which is another salvaged item. Uh, the the window against that? Yep, this, this is a window of mine. Um, what we did is uh, I had the window and um, 
provided Brian with the oak molding, which is similar pieces to the uh, face cabinets here. Now the one difference that you see here is just that oak molding has its original varnish on it, whereas these pieces were um, stripped down, sanded, and then restained so that there was a common stain across all the cabinets. Um, and the window, the stained glass window, and the, um, the frame around it are kept in their original state. And again, it's really for show purposes that a lot of homes you see a window over a kitchen uh, sink. And here we're just tying in, again, the, the repurpose the repurposed nature of a stained glass window, um, which is a highly desirable thing in the um, ar architectural salvage business. Uh, uh, how may, uh, last question, how can people contact you if they want to have a kitchen done just like that? Sure, um, well, uh, capitalsalvage.com is the easiest way to uh, contact me. Uh, prestigewoodworking.com is um, Brian's website. And if you go to either website, we can, you know, Brian and I work uh, um, together. We're essentially partners on this project as well as others. Um, the other thing you could do is you could also go to capitalsteampunking.com and you could see this very kitchen being built from the, the beginning process of culling the salvage pieces out of a warehouse to the finished product, which we'll upload photos tonight of this kitchen being put up this weekend and in its final um, stage setup. I'm surrounded by cakes! May I, uh, may I ask who you guys are? Paul Sutt. Melissa Fate. I see, I, I noticed you guys had a cake party here. Well, there was a slice there, now it's gone. Uh, how was your cake party? Wonderful. Everyone seemed to really enjoy the samples. And even the lights came off. Was in, were you happy by that? Oh, they, that was to signify that it was cake time. But did you guys you wish if you guys had a candle? <laughs> no. So wait, someone's birthday. My cakes light up all on their own. <laughs> now I know one of your cakes light up. It's that lighthouse one over there. Um, I, I noticed that um, you build certain um, not build. I'm sorry, but you you make some cakes uh, like a lighthouse and and. Um, May I ask what that one is, the black one? That is a gothic wedding cake. Okay, uh, and that one? That is a neo-Victorian wedding cake. And the one that you cut earlier? Uh, we did two cakes, actually. One that was in the form of a cherry pie, which was actually a triple chocolate cake with a chocolate hazelnut buttercream. And the slice of cake that you saw was actually an almond cake with an apricot buttercream. What made you build uh, that cake with that lighthouse? Because that one is, is, is grabbing my attention. Well, I'm interested in making cakes that are outside of the box. So uh, cakes that light up, cakes that move or, or do interesting things. Um, that's really my forte. And how many designs do you, do you have in, of, of your cakes? Designs are limited only by imagination. So there's really uh, no end to the designs. What is your favorite design that you've ever done so far? I would have to say probably the Black Widow Spider. Uh, that's been my, my most popular, I believe. My favorite is the life-size steampunk robot. Unfortunately, we did not get to bring that one today. As a tear goes down my face. <laughs> are you, uh, so both of you design all this? or She does the designs. She's the artist. 
How many years have you been doing this? Well, I am completely self-taught. Uh, I've been baking since I was a little girl. I've been working with fondant and decorating cakes all my life. Maybe about a year ago, we started to uh, sell cakes and push the uh, cakes for other people. Now, what, um, what type of event cakes do you make? Like birthdays, weddings? and Any occasion. Any occasion? Any occasion. Sometimes there doesn't even need to be an occasion. <laughs> Just like today. Yeah. Exactly. If somebody wants to get one of your cakes, how, how, how can they reach you? Well, they can contact us through our Facebook page or our website. There's plenty of pictures on our Facebook page of all kinds of different cake designs, including the steampunk robot. Uh, what's your uh, URLs for everything? How, how can you come up that, with that name? Because it sounds catchy. <laughs> well, actually, uh, I dropped off a bit of cake for a friend of mine about a year ago. And uh, he said to me, why aren't you doing this for a living? And I went home and we talked about it. And I, I thought, well, why not? And thus the name was born. I know before you had a celebration here, you were able to grab me, you were able to grab everyone. How did you think of that turnout? Oh, it was wonderful. Everyone seemed to really enjoy it. We served about 250 people cake, so it was a lot of fun. And a lot of cake. And a lot of cake. Are there any events that you guys will be going to in the future? We will be providing cake at the Steampunk World Fair. You hear that, guys? Cake at the Steampunk World Fair. Go on. We are also going to be providing cake at the Chiller Theater Convention in Secaucus, New Jersey. Chiller Theater Cake! And we are also in discussions with the Mid-Atlantic Air Museum to provide cake at their World War II weekend. Cake! I'm here with Bill, and Bill runs Utopia Armory, is that correct? That, that is correct, yeah. Hi. How you doing, Anthony? Uh, good, Bill. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I, I know we know you We know you guys. We know we saw you guys at Wicked Fair. You gotta tell our viewers in case if they've never been to Wicked Fair okay. and, and such. What do you do? What well, is Utopia uh, Armory? Well, we make uh, chainmail jewelry and fashions. We make uh, bikini tops. We do all sorts of lingerie. We make jewelry like hair accessories, uh, necklaces, bracelets. Everything out of the ancient art of chainmail, which is made out of a thousand tiny little interlocking rings. Everything's made completely by hand. Nothing is made overseas or by you know small children. It's all me and, and my associates. So they're the children? Well, they've got the minds of children, but we don't, let's not talk about that right no, now. No, we won't. Um, how many years have you been doing this? I've been making chainmail now for 14 years, uh, but this is my 10th year in business, um, so a decade now. It's been 10 years. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, I guess it's a big accomplishment for you. You've been successful at it? Yeah, you know, um, it's, I love it. I couldn't think of doing anything else. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy with what I do. I love that I can share my artwork with the rest of the world and, and just kind of get it out there and, and see people wearing my designs and wearing my stuff it makes me feel really happy. It's, that's what, that's, in my opinion, the money's nice, but that's the best part yeah. of doing all this is just to see my work out there on other people and see them enjoy it. Now, what's your favorite, uh, let's just say, uh, line here, uh, uh, see, product? Now, that's a super tough question. Um, whatever I just made is my most favorite thing. And then I'll make something else new, and then that's my most favorite thing. Uh, I don't have any particular thing. Matter of fact, we're right here. I love making these little scale flowers. These are cute. I don't know if you guys can see that on the camera. This is a hair stick with some scale flowers. We do 
barrettes. I'll do like a little juggling thing here. We've got other <laughs> colors. Where your hair? Um, and I'm, I've kind of made a whole bunch of these recently. And that's kind of my favorite new sit down and make a bunch of stuff kind of, kind of thing as well. So what made you start all this? It's well, here we go. I was 14 years old. Um, and I wanted a chainmail shirt for my very own, but I couldn't afford it. So I looked online, I found uh, instructions on how to make your own chainmail. And I just started working and, and, and making a chainmail shirt, and it was terrible. And I gave it to somebody, and then I made some more things and gave them to other people. And eventually, one of my friends said, hey, that's really great. How much do you want for that? And I thought to myself, hey, Bill, you can buy things with money. And I started to sell pieces to friends, which turned into selling pieces at craft shows, which turned into getting a shop at a renaissance fair, which turned into traveling up and down the East Coast, sharing uh, my chainmail with the world. Wait, you're based out of New Jersey? I'm based out of New Jersey, yeah. But we travel as far north as Massachusetts and as far south as Virginia for now. But if anybody out there is listening, I'd like to drive. So let me know what you got going on. Uh, what other events do you cover? Well, let's see. We do uh, the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair, and that's for 14 weeks a year. Also the Celtic Fling that's there in June. I do the Virginia Renaissance Fair, which is in May. The New Jersey Renaissance Fair, which is also in June, at the end of June. Obviously Wicked Fair, which is my favorite show of the year. The Alternative Bridal Expo, I'll be here next year as well because this is spectacular. Uh, and a whole bunch of uh, little craft shows around Christmas, um, different fetish conventions here and there when I find them. But those that I listed are the main ones that I do every year. Now let's just say, because we know that um, Mr. Jonathan likes to say from uh, the street circus, he, he has a quote and the quote is, is that we're mocking our viewers because they're not here. But because they're not here, they have access to the internet because Absolutely. they're watching us. Right. How can they access your, uh, or buy your products online? Okay. Well, first thing you need to do is hit pause on the porn and open a new tab. But don't save your pace. You know. This is the porn? No, this isn't the porn. Pause the porn, new tab, don't lose the porn. And then you can go to www.utopiaarmory.etsy.com or fan me on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash utopiaarmory. Now, it's spelled the British way. There's a U in armory, so make sure you... Oh, there's a U? There is a U in armory, so make sure you put that in there. There's a U in there. U! That's right. Uh, how's the Ultimate Living Expo for you for this first year? I had a blast. I had a spectacular time. My work was in a fashion show. It was unbelievable. I, um, saw, you, I saw your product line. It was you, very nice. Did you like it? Yeah? Yes, I did. Excellent. Um, um, business has been great. The people are amazing and spectacular. My neighbors are great people. Um, especially that one right there. Oh, especially, especially, especially that one. Vera is, is the most wonderful woman in the world. I love her to death. Uh, but I've had a great time. I've had an excellent, excellent weekend, and I can't wait for next year. I, I didn't know about next year, but now... Well, if there's a next year, I'm going to be here next year because okay. I had a great time. I think this will happen again. I think I the, turnout so. was, the turnout was good. I was only here for one day. You were here for both I was here, I was here yesterday. It was great, yeah. Absolutely. And you you loved the turnout? Yeah, uh, the turnout was great. The, 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 more importantly than how many people, they were good people. They were fun people. They were energetic and enjoyable and willing to try things on and play and really just cut loose and have a good time. And that's really what this is all about. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that you had a great time Excellent. at the... The Alternate Living Expo. That's right. That's where we are. And, and um, I'm sorry to say this, but you're the last interviewee of the day. See, you guys saved the best for last, Anthony. I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. But uh, we have the fashion show, as we mentioned before, coming up. Okay. And we also have a wrap-up episode where I talk for 20 minutes. Usually, that's the one that we hit the porn, uh, the pause button on. Sounds good to me, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bill. Take care. Take care, viewers. Bye. Peace. Bye.